the Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Welcome, folks. Chris here. This is a two-part episode of the Application Security Podcast, where Robert and I speak with Daniel Ramsbrock about web application penetration testing. In part one of the interview, we focus in on the difference between pen testing and web app pen testing. We discuss where pen testing fits into the development methodology, waterfall, agile, DevOps. And finally, why should someone care about penetration testing? I connected with Daniel through the RVASEC Security Conference in Richmond, Virginia. Daniel's been in the field of security for over 10 years, with most of his time focused on application security. He spent two years as a full-time consultant at Sigital and is now doing independent application security consulting through his own company, Enigma Technologies. Our topic today that we're going to that we're going to cover is penetration testing and more specifically web application penetration testing. But before we can dive into that, we really have to hear Daniel's superhero origin story because that's a big part of what we do here. We want to know how do people get into security and what was their unique path. So Daniel, what how did you get into security? Sure. So, you know, as many people, uh, I started out as a as a computer science major in the undergrad and kind of trying to figure out well, what was interesting to me. Um, I took a, I had a great professor, uh, I think it was my sophomore year, who taught a security class. And um, that really made me realize that this is, you know, what I'm passionate about, what I want to go into. Um, from there, I decided to uh, pursue my master's degree uh, in uh, specifically in IT security. They called it, um, George Mason, they called it the information security and assurance. Um, and another great professor there kind of led me to application security. Um, he was the um, the head of Booz Allen's uh, software security practice at the time. He was an, you know, an adjunct faculty, so he had some really interesting and solid real-world perspective on application security. Um, and it got me interested in that. Um, I was also doing some development uh, part-time at the, you know, while I was an undergrad in grad school, doing some, you know, Java and PHP development. Uh, and so I had that, that coding background, and I had the security interest, and I, and I felt that you know application security was the perfect way to uh, to combine those two. Um, and so then after I graduated, uh, I went into consulting. Um, first, I started at a at a more general you know uh, general service consulting firm that had uh, some security projects. Um, and uh, and then after about three years there, um, I moved over to uh, Sigital, which is uh, you know an application security. Uh, focused consulting company where uh, I really got to do a deep dive uh, on, on application security and all of the various activities that are involved in that. Yeah, great. So we're, we're glad to be able to pick your brain a little bit today about this, this idea of penetration testing and more specifically web app penetration testing. So for, for our listeners, let's lay a foundation here about what penetration testing actually is. Let's start with the high-level penetration testing. And Robert, I'm going to come to you. I'll let Daniel answer first, but I'm going to come to you from a developer's perspective. So Daniel can perhaps give us the tester perspective. Robert, you can give us the developer perspective. So Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, so penetration testing in general is really just 
you know, we, we've got this thing and we want to see how it holds up, uh, uh, you know, when, when you have a skilled attacker poking at it, right? And that can be a, an application, a physical device, um, a part of it, a module, a part of an application, really anything. Um, and it's really just simulating, uh, you know, in a real, uh, as real as possible of an environment where a skilled attacker might be going after that. I mean, that so wh- why would somebody want to hack into something in general? Sure. So, I mean, the, the basic idea is to, um, to, to find the issues before the bad guys do, right? If, if a pen tester comes in and finds an issue, reports it to the, uh, the customer, then they have an opportunity to fix that before the real bad guys come in and, and exploit it and, you know, make off with money or, or worse. Okay, so you're saying so it's, it's going to be primarily a financial risk then as to what these bad guys are going to do if they find a vulnerability or a problem that exists on a website. Uh, sure. I mean, ultimately, uh, financial, that, that tends to be what gets, you know, the attention of organizations. Uh, but there are other intangible, you know, downsides, uh, reputational loss, which usually translates into some financial downside as well. Uh, you know, not having the trust of your customers anymore, those types of things. Um, but yeah, there's, there's most, most you know, organized, um, you know, cybercrime rings today are, are after money ultimately. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting to, to understand. So Robert, from a developer's perspective then, what, what, is the, what does the developer think or understand about penetration testing? Well, typically it's happening after the development's already been done. So uh, from a developer perspective, you know, typically a penetration tester may not know everything about the application. They may not have developed the application, for example. So um, as Daniel was mentioning, they may be approaching it from an attacker point of view where uh, this is the first time they're looking at it. Uh, they're trying to discover uh, what the application does, how it works, and different on the developer side where they developed it, they know all these things, but they may not know all the security issues. They may not know all the potential problems. And so, um, you know, a different perspective. Uh, they're looking at it, well, I already know what it does. I, I've, I built it. You're not going to find anything wrong. But a penetration tester is going to look at it a very different way. So is there value in the penetration tester and the developer working together on something like this? I think so. Uh, oh, yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah. So, what 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 would the developer and the penetration tester, if they were coordinating, uh, what would they be better at if they worked together? So, I think that the the biggest advantage of working together, and you know, I I always prefer this when I have the chance to do it. Um, you know, as Robert was saying, uh, there's really as a pen tester, as an outsider, you know, I really don't have a good understanding of, of the thing that I'm testing, the application or the, the component. Um, and so just getting an overview of what, what is this thing supposed to do? How is it supposed to work? What is normal behavior? Um, and, and one of the biggest things that, that I think the, the tester can often kind of open the developer's eyes to is, is unintended consequences, right? How you can take certain pieces of functionality that may not have even been designed to be used in conjunction to combine those and to execute, you know, attacks from that that, that the developer may not have, have anticipated. So, so they developers and, and testers sounds like it's a good combination for them to be working together. So let's let's step back and, and answer the 
kind of the macro question here that a lot of our listeners that are new to security might be thinking about. And that is, why do I even care about penetration testing at all? Why do I even have to do it? Why can't I just skip this and move on to writing more code? Absolutely. So the, um, so there's an idealistic answer and there's the, the practical answer to it. So in the perfect world, penetration testing is just uh, a sanity check. It's just, you know, at the very end, you've done everything correctly. You have a secure, you know, security that's built into your development life cycle. And at the end, you're just kind of making sure you didn't miss anything. Um, that's the ideal, idealistic view. Uh, in the real world, um, not, you know, a lot of software makes it to a, a deliverable, uh, finalized stage uh, without necessarily having had security uh, baked into it. Uh, and so penetration testing um, often becomes, unfortunately, a, uh, a method of discovering deeper issues within the application very, very late in the game, uh, you know, at a point where the developers basically are close to being finished or thought they were already finished with the application, or even worse, the application has been in production for years or in some case decades, um, and you're finding these issues after the fact and uh, kind of hoping that the bad guys haven't also found those issues in the meantime. That, so that, that seems kind of backwards to me, right? So you're kind of working your way backwards from, you're saying that a lot of times organizations don't do the testing until too late and they should have invested some of those resources earlier in the life cycle to perhaps look at secure design or even maybe back as far as requirements. Is that consistent with your, with your view? That's right. I mean, the, the nature of pen testing, you know, requires you to um, to have something resembling a final product. Um, you know, it's uh, you, you can't really do a penetration test against you know, individual classes or components that are that are not that you can't access in a runtime environment. You know, um, but there, to your point, there are uh, other application security activities that that they should be considering much earlier in the life cycle, such as what you mentioned. You know, secure design, secure architecture reviews. Uh, code reviews, you know, uh, uh, static code analysis, scanning tools that can detect things much, much earlier in the life cycle uh, before you get to, a, you know, integration testing type environment where you can then perform pen testing as well. Okay. Let's now cover the idea of web application pen testing versus, we've, we've been using a generic definition to say penetration testing. Give us a little bit of a perspective about what's the difference between penetration testing and web application penetration testing. Sure. So the, the biggest difference is that um, when most people talk about pen testing in general, they're typically thinking about uh, things that are focused at the network level. They're talking about you know scanning for you know open ports, scanning for certain vulnerabilities that may be present in, in protocols. Um, and, and so that's more of a kind of a, a point and click approach where you have, you know, uh, tools uh, that, that, can, that can attack these different types of endpoints um, and, and see, you know, see with what vulnerabilities may be present. Uh, and then, of course, there's very skilled, you know, um, penetration testers who can take that uh, many levels uh, deeper uh, once, they, once they've kind of discovered where those vulnerabilities are. Um, by contrast, uh, web application penetration testing is very, very context-specific. And I kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, the, the tester really has to have an understanding of 
how the application is supposed to function uh, in, 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 a, in a perfect uh, environment, in a normal usage scenario. Um, and only then, uh, because for me, the, the whole goal of, of, you know, of an application penetration test is to get the application to do something interesting, whatever that means. Um, and a lot of times that's driven by conversations with the, you know, the developers, the architects, the application team to try to figure out, you know, if X happened, that would be really bad. And so then I always try to make X happen to see if there's, you know, a way to bypass the controls that are in place to make the application behave in unexpected ways. And of course that requires a lot of context and knowledge about what the application is and more importantly is not supposed to do under normal circumstances. Yeah, I think about when I, when I you know, lead people in exercises and threat modeling, I use kind of the same basic approach and I just, I refer to it as the worst case scenario. So let's, exactly. let's pinpoint what is the worst case, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen here? And then let's work our way backwards from that. Let's figure out what we have to do to change the design, to eliminate or, or mitigate the worst case scenario. And it sounds like you're doing the same type of approach. You're just kind of calling it something different. Exactly. I typically ask you know, the, the stakeholders, you know, what keeps you up at night, right? What, what, when, what, what would happen when you would get a 2 a.m. phone call related to this app, you know? Yeah, that's another, another good way to put it. So from a, uh, from a methodology perspective now, I want to think about this because we have a lot of people that are using different development methodologies. And so some people are using, still using the traditional waterfall. Others are using an agile process that's going to be more focused on user stories and, and sprints and iterations and things. And then other folks are in this continuous integration, continuous deployment world of you know, DevSecOps and everything is, you know, being is running at the speed of light. So does is pen testing is it done differently? Is it dependent on your development methodology at all? Is there any connection there? Uh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, to me, um, it, the, the waterfall methodology lends itself most to the kind of traditional approach to pen testing, which, you know, in most organizations will test their, their key apps, you know, once a year or so. Um, sometimes there's regulatory requirements that mandate certain intervals. Um, sometimes they have to, you know, run a scanning tool at certain intervals and then they might perform a more in-depth manual test, you know, once a year. Um, but that doesn't really scale uh, when you're doing it, when you have an agile development methodology or, or continuous integration. So um, to me, you know, if you're using an external vendor, um, uh, they would have to, or, I mean, ideally you, there would be an in-house pen testing team um, that, that can help out with some of this. But um, when you're talking about agile and, and continuous integration, um, you, there has to be very close cooperation between the testers and the developers because, um, you know, in order to, so let's say you have two week sprints. Well, you're not going to do a, a one week or a two week in depth, you know, pen test every two weeks. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, and so, uh, it, the, the focus is on the changes on the deltas, right? So, so the tester has to communicate with the development team and understand, okay, what are the, what are the changes that you've made to the code base, um, since the last, uh, release uh, since the last sprint and, and not just at, you know, I mean, obviously you can look at the, the actual diff, uh, uh, but to have some, some narrative around that, some context and, and to understand where that testing should be focused so that the testing becomes incremental 
um, and even more so in a continuous integration environment. Um, and you know, the other thing that, that typically occurs with with sort of normal annual pen tests is that um, you know you'll you'll do a test, and then the development team will go ahead and uh, fix the issues, and then they'll request a retest. And and that and just basically going back through the findings from the previous report, and and you know either saying yes it's been fixed or no there's still an issue, um, and so that happens on a more continuous basis uh, when you when you're doing agile or continuous integration where um, you're you're basically always getting retests you know every every sprint you're you're retesting the stuff from the from the previous time uh, if the development team tells you that you know yes we have fixed this particular issue otherwise. There's no need to burn testing cycles on it. Okay. How often then should somebody do a penetra- a full penetration test, you know, it, regardless of waterfall agile or DevOps type of a deployment? What's what's your uh, your recommendation or guidance for folks? Um, it, it depends a little bit on the criticality of the application. In most cases, I would say once per year uh, is is adequate. Um, if there have been major, major changes to the application, especially relevant to security, for example, if you know a new authentication mechanism has been uh, added or changed, um, then in those cases it should be more of an event-driven uh, thing where you would want to you know perform that testing before you release that um, that version of the application. But in most cases, once a year is is a good kind of middle of the road uh, approach. And if there's very, very critical applications, and I'm talking, I'm talking about you know things that maybe in the financial sector there. It's a year, uh, but for most people, once a year is, is a good, uh, a good interval. Okay. Once a year. That's, uh, that makes sense to me. And I could see how some organizations like a DevOps organization might be uh, on a quicker schedule just because of the nature of, of what they're, you know, how, how fast they're making changes. Now, I do want to come back and, and ask you a question because you mentioned criticality of the application is something that drove it. And you gave us an example of a financial application. And I, so I, I can understand how a financial application where somebody can access or transfer or, or you know, cause a lot of money to move from, you know, from your account to my account is something that I would see as being very critical. Now, how do you determine the criticality of an application? For our, our listeners out there, if they have 10 applications, what's what's the thought process that you go through there to say this is high, this is medium, this is low? Sure. So um, you know, that's that's something that's usually driven by um, by two things. Uh, um, the, the risk uh, of, of something bad happening uh, uh, in other words, the likelihood of it happening, um, kind of multiplied by the the impact that 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 event would have, right? And so you you look at uh, well, uh, this particular application, you know, and, and it's it's if possible, it's it's nice to assign dollar values to it, but it, you know, it's not always the quantities are not always knowable in these cases. Uh, but so you basically you you have you look at your portfolio of like you said ten applications and you determine you know which ones of these uh, is is kind of the the biggest target for somebody who's after either you know, things that we had mentioned before either you know financial gain or um, reputational damage to the company uh, you know things of that nature and then uh, you look at what controls are in place uh, you know so for example 
if this is an internal application that's not accessible from the outside, that dramatically lowers the, the likelihood of somebody compromising that application. Um, if it's a public-facing application where, you know, lots of users have logins and, uh, you know, there's administrative access from the outside, um, that that raises the, the likelihood of, of somebody, you know, uh, attacking that application. Okay. Robert, are you doing this same type of an analysis from a developer perspective when you're looking at the different services or different, say, web services or applications or whatever that exist that you're responsible for? Do you do that same type of a criticality uh, equation? Generally, you know, trying to understand, uh, at least from a security perspective, which ones are um, – Make, I mean, let's say, for example, if I'm doing a design review or, or trying to think about uh, the security, I would think about, you know, where's my attack surface? Where are the areas that may be most important uh, from an attacker point of view? But at the same time, I'm also trying to think about uh, what, are the, what are the business goals? What are the, um, you know, project manager? Where do, where do they focus on? And then that can also help drive maybe different than what the security may uh be uh concerns may be so you know it varies it varies but uh a lot of those align uh pretty well i think daniel as a follow-on question to to robert's explanation how do business goals play into the world of penetration testing so i mean they they really drive um you know they they really drive everything because uh, at the end of the day you know penetration test is about evaluating the application uh, in its sort of natural habitat, right? And so, um, the, the if if the business doesn't view this application as as valuable or as risk in, as having carrying a certain amount of risk, um, then then there's less of a need to to scrutinize it and, and perform pen testing. And so, yeah, I mean everything that we do is driven by. Uh, what does this application do for the business? Uh, how important is it, and how much you know? How much financial damage can be done um, to the business uh, as a result of the potential breach? So then, how if we go back to how our listeners might be struggling with how they're gonna how they're gonna take this idea and actually make it you know do something with it inside of their organization? From your perspective and your experience. Is it better to go the consulting model and just have outside people do your, all of your penetration testing for you? Or is it better to try to build some of that capability yourself inside the company and then, you know, then maybe have like a hybrid model? What's your, what's your, your take on that? Yeah, I, I definitely think that there's pros and cons to, to both approaches. Um, and I think that ultimately most organizations end up with some kind of hybrid model because it makes the most sense. Um, certainly, when you're when you're first getting started, and let's say that you, you know, you've never done any pen testing on on your applications, or maybe just very sporadic, um, you're going to need some outside help, uh, just uh, in terms of having the, the expertise and the, you know staff that's already uh, you know familiar with the tools and the process, um, but also just to handle the workload. There's going to be a lot of testing up front um, before you even have an idea of of what you're up against. Um, so, you know, when you're first getting started, uh, you, you'd be relying much more heavily on, on consultants, even if you already have maybe a few, one or two or three, you know, in-house uh, pen test resources. Now, over time, um, as the organization matures, and especially as security gets built, you know, earlier into the life cycle, um, 
and there'll be there'll be less and less um, uh, you know findings that are going to come out of each each penetration test because the code is is going to just naturally improve as the existing findings are fixed and the process itself you know is is improved. Um, and so uh, over time, you would end up with uh, a combination uh, because, you know, as we were mentioning before, uh, it is very important to have uh, in-house resources who really understand not just this one particular application that they're testing, but also the broader business context of, of your company and how this app is interacting with the other components, uh, the other applications. Um, and so having that um, that sort of knowledge transfer and, and you know, um, organizational knowledge about the technology stack uh, is very important and that's something that you can't really uh, achieve if you're relying only on external vendors to do your testing. Um, you're going to get a much more in-depth uh, perspective on the testing when, when you have internal resources that truly understand the, the applications on the stack. Yeah, that's that's my take on it as well. Is that we have there there is advantages and disadvantages to both, but it's it's good to have some institutional knowledge and in how to do pen testing so that it can be applied more often than a yearly cycle. But you also need the external thought leaders in the world of penetration testing to come in and, you know, maybe, maybe try some things that the internal folks just haven't caught up on yet. You know, new things in industry, something that was released at DEF CON or Black Hat or, you know, one of the other security conferences. There's a, there's a need for that external knowledge to be brought in house. And so I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a connection between both is, is the overall best answer from my perspective. Exactly, and I agree with that. And you know, I think the other the other thing that's important, and I've seen this, you know, with some of the larger clients that I work with, um, is you know having an internal staff that can sort of supervise the external vendors. Having you know having an internal staff that has, um, uh, you know, the hands-on technical experience and can can perform um, QA, not necessarily from a perspective of you know that the that not that the vendor is not doing their job but that they're doing it in a consistent manner, especially if the organization is using multiple different vendors, um, is to basically you know, enforce a consistent process and consistent deliverables um, uh, you know, across the vendor base that, that, that are performing these tests on behalf of the client. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive now into, the get a little closer to the actual testing process and kind of where the magic happens, I guess. One of the things, Daniel, that I see all the time that I think it'd be good to explain to our listeners right from the beginning is it, it seems that everyone in the world of penetration testing or you know security uh, attacks and, and threats and things, they're all wearing a hat, okay? And one of these hats is a white hat, one's a gray hat, and one's a black hat. And so I'm just curious... You know, can you give us a little bit of a perspective on, you know, what are these hats everybody's wearing and, and what does this actually mean? Absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, white hats are, um, so it really refers to the, the intention and, and the integrity uh, with which a you know, tester conducts themselves. themselves. So uh, a white hat uh, would be somebody who, um, who does everything above board. You know, they, they don't uh, attack any systems where they don't have explicit permission. Uh, and they always uh, report the, their findings, you know, um, uh, to the vendor with plenty of lead time to, uh, to, to, have, to perform a fix before they would publish um, their results to the wider community. Um, 
black hats are at the opposite end of the spectrum. They sort of they have sort of no allegiance to anybody else other than usually themselves and maybe a team that they're working with. Um, there are, you know, in most cases, uh, are cyber criminals. They're they're in it, uh, you know, to make money for themselves or for a criminal organization that they're a part of. Um, they'll they'll use anything that they can uh, get their hands on for financial gain. Um, and they, they certainly won't disclose vulnerabilities to the vendor uh, and give them an opportunity to fix it. Um, gray hats are somewhere in between. Um, so it's usually it's usually white hats that may not always do everything by the book. So they may attack um, systems without permission, but then still you know do responsible disclosure with the vendor to make sure that they have time to address it. Or they may attack the system. And then, you know, with permission, but then disclose uh, without giving the vendor a chance to to fix it because they maybe they feel that the vendor is not acting quickly enough. Okay. So, Robert, does a uh, do the developers of the world have white hat, gray hat, and black hat associations as well? Not really, not exactly. I mean, unless you're thinking about on the the security side, you know. Again, trying to think about how how would I uh, develop some tools as a black hat uh, to attack? How would I develop uh, tools to defend? How, how would I do a little bit of both? Um, perhaps in that area, but uh, if you're just talking about developing applications, I don't I don't really see that. So there's a there, it sounds like you're talking about there's a need for developers to have an awareness of what white hats, gray hats, black hats are doing and, and some perspective on what those folks might be doing to the product that you work on when it gets shipped and, and deployed out onto the website. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that uh, one of the things that I see uh, a lack of uh, on the developer side is that idea that, hey, why would anybody be interested in this application or circumventing controls or, you know, why am I doing all this stuff? Why am I going through all these hoops to, to try to make this secure? Who cares? You know, really, um, not everybody. I mean, there's there's a lot of developers who would like to know more, but uh, I've also seen developers who say, you know, why am I going through all of this uh, to try to make this more difficult to develop, to test, to all these things? Because who really cares? And the reality is, um, we need to care, and and developers need to care. So. That's a great segue for Daniel now to introduce us to the process of what he does, because right now we've got developers that have a top of mind thinking, I don't even understand why I care, why, why this could be important for my application. Daniel, walk us through the process that you go through to actually run, go through a test. And that, folks, is an application security cliffhanger. Tune into the next episode to hear about the web application penetration testing process and how Daniel brings it all together. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Boring and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.